Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, and I'm your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags nonprofitutopia, highimpactsales, and inurban strategies. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofitutopia. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You'll find a link to open the account on the page for this episode right underneath the chat box. You can also email me questions at ValerieFleonard at nonprofitutopia.com. But I will say that if you email me during the podcast, chances are I won't be able to respond immediately, but I will respond nonetheless. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. If you happen to be listening to this from our episode page, you'll see this phone number on the episode page. We encourage you to sign up for our mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community. We've included a link to our mailing list in the comments section, and that will be beneath the chat box on the episode page. And in terms of what we'll be talking about today, we're going to be talking about sales and marketing. As you know, sales and marketing are the lifeblood of any business, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. And I have come quickly to realize that I am not necessarily in the business of consulting. I'm not necessarily in the business of hosting a nonprofit community. I am in the business of sales, and that is a stark realization for me. So today's book is very timely for me. Um, and also, as you know, and if you don't know, organizational leaders need a firm grasp of the changes in the marketplace and the implications for their organization's clients and communities. And at the same time, they must cultivate relationships with funders and a host of other stakeholders so that they can maintain a steady flow of cash, volunteers, and goodwill. So you're not just necessarily selling products and services, but you are selling relationships as well. Alrighty, so today's topic is high impact sales and marketing strategies for emerging organizations. We'll talk about high impact bootstrap sales and marketing strategies for nonprofits, as well as social enterprises, and we'll show you how you can penetrate your local markets quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I don't want to oversell this and say that this show is going to be a quick fix. You know, clearly things are going to be dependent on the amount of energy, but we will be able to share 
some proven strategies that, you know, if you're disciplined, should work, you know, pretty well for you. Today's guest is Shelby Parchman. He is the managing partner of In Urban Strategies, LLC, is a seasoned entrepreneur who has parlayed his experience into a career focused on assisting startup and existing businesses after obtaining a dual degree, Bachelor of Science in Biology and Chemistry, and then a Master's in Analytical Chemistry, Shelby embarked upon a professional career as a research scientist in the pharmaceutical industry. Shelby is a serial entrepreneur who has started many successful small businesses, including BHK Laboratories, Inc., and the Functional Beverage Group, Inc., Prior to becoming managing partner of Interurban Strategies, LLC, Shelby was the managing director of Sunshine Enterprises. Shelby is now working with the staff of Family Farmed GFA to assist in the development of business growth strategies with current and former GFA fellows as well as the development of GFA extension and um, their programming, the extension programming. And he also works with a number of other clients, and you can catch him from time to time doing Facebook Live. And I am going to see if Shelby is ready for us. Um, Shelby, are you with us now? I am with you. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about Interurban Strategies, LLC, and how you came to start the business? Sure. Uh, First of all, thank you for having me, Valerie. It's always a pleasure uh, speaking with you and sharing ideas with you on how we as a collective can help small businesses and nonprofits grow. And that's really how I came about working uh, in developing Interurban Strategies. Uh, last last mm-hmm. year, about August, I was working with Sunshine Enterprises and decided it was time to move on. And actually, I was looking to take a sabbatical and take a little time off mm-hmm. and do nothing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the right. public would <laughs> let me do so, right? No one would let me do so. And I, I was, matter of fact, I was mentioning a meeting today. I'm still trying to take that sabbatical, and I don't think it's going to ever happen. But um, <laughs> as as I was relaxing at home, I started getting numerous phone calls and uh, realized how much of an impact my work had made on a lot of small businesses and uh, nonprofits in the Chicago area. And so, you know, so one person asked me to do something. Oh, okay, I'm, you know, I'll do this. And then, oh, okay, I'll do that. And then I woke up one day and realized I had a business because people were actually paying <laughs> me to do work. And so I said, well, I might as well practice what I preach and make it a formalized business. So I uh, you know, organized it under an LLC and did all the fun stuff that I teach people to do. And my <laughs> initial focus was to help uh, small businesses in the community, which, I, which I've kind of gotten away from that, from the core business. But I, just, mm-hmm. I found a model that works even better than that because most of the small businesses wow. that I work with have a have a tough time paying any amount of money to do to, to, for expertise. And, um, you know, and I tell people as a business owner, you have to pay the bills, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the most innovative business owners find a way to do the things that they enjoy doing 
uh, while making money. And so what I discovered is that a lot of larger nonprofits, really good budgets, they are they were looking for someone to help them develop programming aimed at local entrepreneurs, especially in underserved communities in the Chicago area. But also uh, they had dollars available to coach some of those uh, businesses as well. And so what I've done is I've uh, made uh, a lot of connections and I, I have contracts with larger nonprofits to provide uh, curriculum, uh, programming, uh, grant writing expertise, but also coaching expertise to their clients. Oh, and awesome. so what I do is many of the peop- uh, the businesses who come through me, I find a way to connect them to those nonprofit organizations so they can get my ser- ser- services for little or nothing. And then as a social mission side of it, I actually uh, will take donate some of my time to helping small business owners uh, and, don't ch- and don't charge them a lot or charge them or even give some of my services for free, and that's my way of giving back. So that's kind of how an urban strategies evolved, and uh, and I would say it's been a good ride, and we've grown tremendously over the past year, uh, and I'm looking forward to continued growth. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, as I read this bio, which I don't really think does you justice, it's hard to put your life into, what, about eight lines? You know, that doesn't do you justice. Right. I know. And, I was like, oh, I need to update that. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I know this. I know that. Blah, blah, blah. But right. at any rate. And that's what I was saying. I was um, like, who wrote that? I don't know. I, you know what? We'll have I to talk it. offline. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't me. I'll put it like that. It, it, it was I not think it was I. me, so. <laughs> yeah, it's time for an update. Okay, but it, it's still impressive. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, you know, I know more about you than what these right. few lines represent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that you weren't listen to me just a chemist, as if I could even be a chemist, let alone just a chemist. But I, I know you didn't just work in the lab when you were working mm-hmm. you know, with the Fortune 500 company. You actually switched from, I guess, the science part and built upon your knowledge of science and actually did pharmaceutical sales, right? So I, I yeah, think, labor- you know, laboratory that, supplies. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that was pretty pivotal in your career. Yeah, so it was. So you, it was a big deal mm-hmm. for me uh, because I didn't. I never imagined myself having a career in sales. Uh, and then one mm-hmm. day I woke up and I was a I had a career in sales <laughs> and uh, a very <laughs> successful career at that. So uh, you know that was that was my first transition and really into thinking about uh, the business aspect of things. And that's when I really mm-hmm. caught. I already had the small business bug, but I really caught it being working for a small sales organization. They were based in North Carolina. I was based in Chicago, and so what it turned out, I was really running my own local business as an arm of that sales organization. So uh, mm-hmm. that really parlayed me into starting my first business. Okay, awesome. Your first one. And and we'll pay homage to your dad. I know, you know from listening to you, you talk, your dad was also mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. So I'd like to say yes. that this is kind of hereditary, hereditary right. right? Yeah. 
But he waited till he was. I mean, he did odd jobs, but he waited till he retired before he actually started his, you know, a business. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and that, it was very successful. And I, uh, I always use him as an example of how someone. I, a lot of these small business owners they come to me and they say they need all this startup capital and they need this and they need that. And he basically started a landscaping company in like a six block radius and did really well. Uh, he didn't have to have a car. You know, he carried everything that he needed to carry, you know, he needed, and he uh, mm-hmm. was very successful at it. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where you really have to look at innovative ways to start a business, to grow a business, and to market a business. And, you know, he actually hired people from the community as well. So it was a great inspiration for me in terms of what the right things to do in terms of starting a business. Mm-hmm. So, So basically what you're also saying is, you can be successful, but it, it doesn't take all this ivory tower kind of stuff. <laughs> you, you, you know, if, if you really have a business mind, you can make it work for you, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so so you've got experience with a Fortune 500 company. You've got experience starting your own businesses and also consulting other businesses. So you have seen it. All pretty much for-profit, non-profit, startups, you know, organizations that are pretty much established. And, you know, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page as um, listeners and me as the host and you as the guest. Marketing and sales mean different things to, to different people. But, you know, for mm-hmm. the sake of our podcast, yeah, how are you defining sales? How are you defining marketing, and, and what's the difference between the two? Okay. I, I always like to keep things simple. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, so here are my two simple ways. It just, you know, for someone who doesn't need a very complex introduction to what's the difference between sales and marketing. Marketing is getting people to know you. Sales mm-hmm. is getting people to pay you. And <laughs> I love it. Right. And the unfortunate part, most people focus on getting people to know them because they're right. afraid to ask people to pay them. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Not me, Valerie. <laughs> I know, I know. See, I always learn a whole lot whenever I invite you. So, so don't, don't think of just inviting you. Just, <laughs> just because I like you. you. you got a lot to offer. And, you know, our guests will, you know, soon hear if they haven't heard already that you definitely have a lot to offer. And I thank you so much for just breaking it down that simply, you know, because sometimes, you know, and, and I will admit, you know, getting an MBA, some, sometimes they kind of make this stuff more complicated than it needs to be. And you understand yeah. all of that stuff. Let's, let's yeah. be clear. You understand it. You it teach them well, I always tell people, stuff. my Mike, my my the greatest plus I have and no offense Valley is I don't have an MBA. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right. Because I, I think uh a lot of times that it when you look at business there is a there's the language of business and there's the process of business. And it works well mm-hmm. say in a Fortune five hundred company because these are tried and true processes and they need people to come in and mm-hmm. take over these processes, maybe add some innovation to them. But basically, keep a well-oiled machine. Uh, whereas right. when you start looking at uh, entrepreneurship, starting businesses, and social enterprises, it requires a lot of innovation, a lot of thinking outside the box. 
And mm-hmm. uh, many times, uh, and any sometimes any college degree, and I tell people the, the craziest thing is as much as I've helped small business owners, uh, I have never taken a formal business class in my life. Really? And, uh, I have never taken a formal business class. All the stuff that I've learned uh, has been more through working with others, uh, doing self-study, and, you know, going to the school of hard knocks. And uh, mm-hmm. But not to say that I didn't learn, but I've never did it in a formal setting of a university. So uh, mm-hmm. too busy taking science courses and understanding science, and the business part of it came later. Uh, but I think the beauty of that is it allows me to think like a scientist but operate like a mm-hmm. business person. And, and, uh, and it re- works really well when I'm helping working with clients because mm-hmm. I take a more of a scientific approach to how I help them resolve issues as opposed to a business awesome. approach. And I think that's great, especially in this day and age. And I'm not necessarily talking about the fact that we have so much technology, but, you know, innovation is king. You know, you got to look mm-hmm. at things differently. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to survive. Now, do you find that your approach is different when you coach, say, a nonprofit business versus a social enterprise versus another type of for-profit? Are there differences well, in the way you approach it? You know, the approach is the same because at the end of the day, business is business, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. so what I look at, what you have to look at, and I say the major difference between a nonprofit business and a for-profit business is where the money's coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're a for-profit business, you're out trying to get customers, uh, get them to try your product or service, and then get them to purchase that product or service over and over again. And you get money in and you run your business. On the nonprofit side, you still need money. Uh, there's mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as free money, <laughs> even in the nonprofit. <laughs> no, that's right. Even, so, yeah, even those grants, right? Right. Those grants come you pretty much each grant application to me, I, I approach as a business plan. And so uh, in, that, in that business plan, a grant application, I look at it and say, okay, what innovation are you going to bring to the table? Why is this program going to be different than any other program that is out there? Uh, you know, and I, I, and certainly I sit in meetings and you hear foundations and they tell you, it's like, you know, what we don't need is another person given an entrepreneurship training program, right? <laughs> How many of those do mm-hmm. we have? Uh, and and I listen and I say, okay, you're right, because there are too many entrepreneurship training programs. Most of them aren't doing that well in terms of, you know, the, the types of clients they turn out. So mm-hmm. what's the next step in that, right? The next step is to have, after they complete an entrepreneurship training program, being able to bring in programming that's more industry-specific. And uh, that's why I connected with the Good Food Accelerator. There's a lot of food businesses sprouting up around Chicago, uh, especially in the south and west sides, and they need more specific specific training on the food business, and they need access to networks uh, and access to ability to sell their product through stores and distributorships. And so when I connected with the Good Food Accelerator, I said, hey, here's if you want to grow your program and, and get more funding in, 
then let's talk about developing this type of programming. This is what, you know, funders are looking for. And um, Mm -hmm. I will also say it started when I was at Sunshine Enterprises because it was the same thing. Uh, I was like, I'm sick of writing these grant applications getting turned down (laughs) because somebody says, you know, we're going to do entrepreneurship training and we're going to, you know, we're going to touch 300 people this year and, you know, we're going to teach them the, you know, how to become business owners. It's like, yeah, 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 you and everybody else, you know, <laughs> us and everybody else. Right. So I said, what if we take a different approach to it and say, yeah, we're going to train them, but we're going to take it one step further. And I developed what I call my marketplace readiness and access program. And so this program, we went out to get funding and funders loved it. And instead of just teaching them entrepreneurship, we wanted to make, uh, give them the tools and uh, open up a network of individuals and companies who are willing to give small businesses a chance. And mm-hmm. so start looking at major retailers like Whole Foods, Jewel Osco, Mariano's. Let's start looking at uh, the anchor institutions in the Chicago area, University of Chicago, Rush Hospital, and uh, some of the banks. And saying if you really support entrepreneurship, uh, buy from them. That's the best way to support mm-hmm. an entrepreneur is not to mm-hmm. give them a loan, but give them some business. Right. right? And so, uh, so I asked them to not only put their money where their mouth is in terms of funding, but turn around and give these businesses an opportunity to do business with you. And uh, so that program started growing as I left Sunshine Enterprises. But once again, if you're really looking to uh, get funding for a nonprofit, you're looking to stand out. And that's what marketing is all about, standing out from the rest Mm -hmm. of the crowd. Not necessarily that people are going to purchase from you, but standing out from the crowd. You have to come up with innovative programs that stand out. And it's not innovation just because you call it innovation. It's innovation because it's truly doing something different than what other people are doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, you know, I, I know that marketing strategies, you know, they're going to vary based on things like, you know, the size of an organization, how long it's been around, its services and products and all that good stuff, right? But um, yep. there seem to be a set of common elements of a good marketing plan. And, and again, I know you're not one for pontification. You will just break it down. You know, what are the things that makes for a good marketing plan for an emerging business? You know, many of the people who listen to the show are you know, new to nonprofit or new to business. So what would you recommend? So it's two things that I see. Number one, the first and foremost is most business owners don't do this, whether it's nonprofit or for profit. They don't understand their market. Mm-hmm. And once you understand who your market is, it becomes so much easier to the market to them. Uh, mm-hmm. You ask somebody who's the target market, I can't tell you how many times I heard everybody. You know, I have a great mm-hmm. product. Right. Anybody, everybody will buy it. Anybody will buy it. That's not your market. Uh, and, you know, right. to try to narrow that focus down to so many different characteristics that you say, if I see this person on the street today and I really need to sell a product to get, say, $10 to get, on, to get an Uber home, you know, 
that person will more than likely buy from me. And that person mm-hmm. isn't everybody. Uh, and then some people want to look at it and say, well, because someone outside my demographic uh, area, you know, my target market area purchased my product, now they're my target market. And, you know, one or two buys from outside who your typical customer is, is not a new target market, you know. And <laughs> so just getting people to understand that you can't try to – you can't satisfy everybody anywhere in business – so the, the more you know about your target market, the easier it is to craft a message that they will listen to and that resonates with them, and they'll think mm-hmm. about buying it. And um, I use a great example of, um, you think about Federal Express, and they, are, they market themselves, if you want something delivered overnight, FedEx is the place to go, right? And so... Mm-hmm. When you just one day you just happen to need to ship something overnight, and say, "Well, who do I go to?" And then because FedEx has emblazoned that into your mind over and over again, you automatically think, "Hey, let me go to FedEx first. And um, oh. and I, but FedEx is not always the best place to go to for overnight deliveries. The U.S. Postal mm-hmm. Service has one service that's much better than FedEx, and that. Their prior, their uh, um, express mail uh, is delivered the next day to most major markets, no matter what day it is. So if you send mm-hmm. something on a Saturday by express mail, it gets there on a Sunday for no extra charge, whereas Federal Express will charge you extra to deliver, a whole lot extra to deliver on a Sunday. Uh, same thing with UPS. So, um, so it's those things that, now that you understand, if you understand then what each business is capable of doing, then it becomes a lot easier for, say, a consumer to say, okay, now that I, I know who the players are, the sales part comes in, how do I choose the right player, right? Mm-hmm. And Federal mm-hmm. Express may be the best one for Wednesday to get there Thursday. But if you want it Saturday to get there Sunday, they may not be. Mm. I hadn't thought of that. See, I told you I always learn something whenever I talk to you, whether it's on a podcast or just in passing. And I thank you. I thank you, oh, thank sure. you, thank always you a pleasure. for that. Okay, I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, speaking with Shelby Parchman, Managing Partner with In Urban Strategies, LLC. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience very shortly, within about three or four minutes. And the call-in number is 347-884-8121. You can also post in the chat room. And if you don't have a listener-only account, you can set that up. And before we get back into our interview, I I just want to tell you guys a little bit about the Nonprofit Utopia community. We're the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders, and we've created a safe environment in which our members can innovate, speak candidly about the issues and concerns they face on a daily basis, and share ideas and resources. So if you want to learn more, you can go to nonprofitutopia.com, or if you want to join our community, you can go to nonprofitutopia.mn.co. 
And basically, our mission is to provide ongoing professional development and networking opportunities in which experienced nonprofit professionals can share expertise with the next generation of ethical leaders. I'm already at that point where I'm trying to find the next generation. That's kind of scary. And our overarching goal for the community is to give our members the tools they need to develop strong organizations that will make a lasting impact. And we hope to strengthen the global nonprofit sector by providing training and development opportunities for 50,000 emerging nonprofit leaders throughout the world by 2033. So that's one of my big, hairy audacious goals, and I guess I'm really dating myself by even saying that. You can tell how long it's been since I've been in business school. So I'm like, enough, enough of that. So um, I see that we do have a caller. I don't know if the caller has called in just to listen. You know, sometimes people call in just to listen. Sometimes people call in because they have a question. Um, there is a caller whose phone number is 708 Three five nine zero three zero seven. I am going to make your mic live, and if you have a question or comment, please share. It would be wonderful if you just said hello, okay? Okay, your mic is live. Did you have any questions or comments? Yes, good afternoon. First of all, uh, good afternoon, Ms. Leonard. Uh, glad to hear you. Hi. And it's been a little bit. Uh, been thinking about you as well, and um, I had an awesome, uh, uh, I believe, opportunity to be able to hear uh, Mr. Parchman just just the other day. My question is this: um, I have a uh, emerging business that I really wanted to get off the ground. I had got so close to really getting everything registered and all, and then certain situations happen. Um, I say that to say this: I want to get out here in Chicago, and I want to be one of these emerging leaders uh, in my uh, business, uh, my transportation business. What can Mm -hmm. uh, I do to get the direction that I need to get my information back on track as far as registration and then also getting with someone that can help me to get from point A to Z? That sounds like a Shelby question. Shelby, uh, (laughs) you want (laughs) to? Yeah. What what business are you? What's your business? Uh, the first thing you do is like when anytime you get an opportunity, mention the name of your business because there's uh, free marketing is always wonderful. Uh, so what what is the name of your business? The name of the business is Joyride Express. Oh, I just got an email from you. So, so yeah. So here here's it's what I'll say. It's been a while since I heard the name. Okay, I know who this is. <laughs> All right, so. Here's the first thing I say, uh, move your business to the west side. And uh, because I have a lot of opportunities for west side businesses. Uh, but in the interim, I would be more than happy to have a sit down with you and talk to you about the needs of your business. And uh, on, from the work that I do, I work at Rush Hospital on an initiative to uh, get more west side businesses involved in Rush Hospital procurement area. And so one of the things that we're always looking for is a good, strong business willing to locate to the west side of Chicago to give them some contracts to do business with Rush. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was uh, probably the reason I was late is a little a few minutes late is because uh, I have a standing call with Rush Hospital at 1.30 on Mondays, 
uh, we tried to uh, ramp through it uh, quickly today. But uh, we just had two other West Side businesses sign contracts totaling $190,000 with Rush today. And we're looking for any area of – any area that Rush uses in that procurement procurement process to Mm -hmm. bring in West Side businesses. So I tell people who have those businesses on the south side and they're looking for some great opportunities, uh, the west side is where it's at. So um, let me – one second here. So Mr. Evans, right? Mr. Evans, right? Uh, I would ask – Yes, I I would ask that um, I have your email address, and so I'm going to shoot you off a time next week that you and I can get together and talk about what you're doing. And uh, if there, I'm sure there's ways I can help you and send you on the right track and put you on the right track. And hopefully, uh, you'll be interested in moving to your your business to the west side too. But you know, that's something we can talk about in terms of planning, business planning, and stuff like that. Oh, that is Sounds great. great. I look forward at. to it. <laughs> yes, I look forward oh, to it, Mr. Parchment. Thank you so much. I do have an email that I sent to you. Hopefully that you've got it. I sent it I to uh, Info Strategies in yeah, Urban info, Strategies. Yep, at .com. Yeah, I have it. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, outstanding. Oh, that is beautiful. Hopefully and, you got the right one. Okay. I had I had one that had somebody else's name. So I noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Mr. Kramer. <laughs> Selby's got an eagle eye. Yeah. But but that's that's a wonderful thing. Eagle eye, great I'll heart. And he Thank he, you. he corrects he corrects gently. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, I need help. So Thank much, you. Pastor Evans. Awesome. Oh, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> thank you so okay. much for your program. Problem, and tell the missus I said hello. Uh, can you say that one more time? She's right here. Ah, uh, hello, Reverend Evans. Hey, how are you? This is a reverend couple. I'm great. How are you? Thank you, guys, both for listening in. And you, you got a live one with Shelby. Shelby, you can't go wrong with Shelby. I've been knowing Shelby. All my life, so that's what fifteen years, Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I was going like thirteen. Well, thank, well, thank yeah. you all. We, we we're gonna let you all go ahead and go on and do what you do, and uh, we're okay. we're standing, uh, listening to you all on this end. Thank you so much, and Mr. Sh- Mr. Right. Parchman, I look forward to uh, connecting with you next week. Sure. Yeah, I, I'll send you out an email later today with some times available. Okay. Thank okay. you, sir. You're welcome. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys for calling in. And, and Shelby, thank you so much. I, I know that's going to end very well. Uh, they're, they're a great couple, very diligent, and you won't be disappointed. Uh, my great. question to you is, while we're talking about Rush Hospital, do you do the same thing for Cook County? Because they are definitely in need of better transportation services for their patients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, well it, the operative it, word is Cook County. <laughs> okay. Well, two words. Yeah. Uh, so here's uh, the work that I do at Rush is a pilot program, a part of their uh, a part of organization called Westside United, 
and Rush mm-hmm. Hospital has taken the lead on increasing uh, West Side participation, participation and procurement process of West Side businesses. Uh, Cook County Hospital is a part of West Side United. And so okay. what we're doing right now is this is a pilot program that we're doing uh, to understand where the needs are, uh, to understand how, matter of fact, I have goals to increase the spend by a certain level, and how much can mm-hmm. we do this? And then we want we meet uh, with the entire group once a month to talk about the things that we've learned, and we're trying mm-hmm. to enlist the other hospitals, including Cook County Hospital, into this process. Okay. Well, you and I need to talk about the experiences I'm having with the transportation, and maybe oh, okay. you know you can you you can take that back. But yeah, oh, oh, that would be great because our, we're meeting next week, so I would love to be able okay. to talk about that in the meeting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be a big service to folks on the west side who are often yes um, left with a huge need, and I'll leave it at that. But we, yes. we'll, we will definitely talk. And, and thank you so much. All right, so um, for emerging nonprofits, you know, or even new businesses, as, you know, Reverend Dale Evans and his wife, Reverend Charles Evans, you know, who, who just called in, you know, sometimes, you know, new businesses are not blessed to have these large budgets, right, but they still got to get their names out there. They still got to do sales and marketing, and they still have to put in the work. But at the same time, uh-huh. you know, they need to make something happen quick, fast, and in a hurry. So what are some of the strategies you would recommend for those groups that don't have the luxury of this cash flow to keep you know, keep them going other than keep your day right. job while you're right. well, working? That's but there's got to be one. some other strategies. Well, here's <laughs> right. what I'll say. Uh, Keeping your day job until you're actually ready. I, I think what happens, what I see with most organizations, you know, they're all saying that they're always undercapitalized, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because most people get into something and say, oh, you know, if it's a baker, I make good cheesecakes, or I'm going into the cheesecake business without really thinking about everything that it takes to go into that business, right? And thinking about mm-hmm. what it takes to scale that up because you're not going to make money selling 20 cheesecakes a week. You know, you got to sell 2,000 cheesecakes a week. And that's totally different, right? right? Those two things are totally different. Mm -hmm. So most people get into business with these preconceived notions that business is easy and that if I I have the best cheesecake that I ever tasted, that means it's going to be the best cheesecake that everybody else tried, and they're going to buy it until I'm a millionaire. And Mm -hmm. it never works, right? And then they're saying, oh, I don't know why people don't support me. Well, just because you like the cheesecake doesn't mean everybody else. It could be that the cheesecake <laughs> is just so-so, right? It may not be right. horrible if it's just, just an average cheesecake. And so you have to really think about, before you go into business, think about who you're selling to and what reason would they drop who they're buying from now to buy from you. And I have a better tasting product is not what what it takes. It takes a lot more than that. I mean, you really have to bring some type of innovation to the table. And I think the problem with most small businesses is they see what someone else is doing and they try to copy it. Mm -hmm. 
and then yeah. say, well, I'll, I'll just charge less money. And, you know, people would just buy it for me because I'm cheaper. And that's not true. Uh, and so most of the small businesses that I work with, they really lack the innovation. Uh, and mm-hmm. we talked about it a little earlier. They really lack the innovation that's necessary to make it to the big leagues. And so what I say you have to do is you really have to think it out financially and think about a plan. And it doesn't mm-hmm. always take a lot of money, uh, but part of it is understanding what's important to spend your money on. Um, right, right. You know, I, I, some people are like, ah, oh, you got to have this fantastic website. And I was like, I have a one-page website <laughs> that uh, <laughs> will probably needs some serious updating, but for the work that I do, I've never needed a website uh, mm-hmm. because I, my work is built on relationships. And that trumps any website that I could have. Uh, so when I started my first business, I developed a lot of relationships. I had customers ready to go before I opened the doors. I had people come in and say, if you open your doors, we will buy from you. And so oh, I love it. That, made it, that made it a lot easier. But what most people do is they come up with a product or service, and they say, oh, I think there's a need there. And then they say, okay, now let me find somebody to buy it. The best thing to do is find somebody to buy it, i.e., there has to be a need, an unmet need for what you want to sell. Once you figure out where that unmet need is, then you can put a product into, you can then make a product or service that satisfies that need. But most people Mm -hmm. do it the other way around, is they develop a product or service and say, like, oh, now I gotta, I have to find somebody who needs this, right? right? And that's not that's not the way to do it. And so they spend a lot of money looking for people who need it uh, instead of doing their homework up front, saying, oh, here's a group of people I know, a concentration of people who need this. Let me start talking to them. Let me develop those relationships. Let me try to get some commitments to purchasing my product or service before I start spending a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way. Uh, to get started. Um, But the bottom line is, no matter what business you're going into, it requires money. Uh, There are no Mm -hmm. grant programs that are going to give you, you know, $100,000 to start a business. Uh, If there Mm -hmm. are grant programs that says, I'm going to give you money to start a business. I'll use an example. I was awarded a Neighborhood Opportunity Fund grant to build a shared commercial kitchen uh, in Bronzeville. Mm-hmm. $250,000, and it's a grant. The city's not going to write me that check and say, here, go start your business. <laughs> right, First right. of all, I have to come up with a, a minimum of $200,000 to match the two fifty, right? And then mm-hmm. I don't get the two fifty until I spend my two hundred. dollars so, Wow. Uh, so, so that's not money to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it, it, it helps, right? Uh, right? But the bottom line is I have to have some skin in the game. I have to bring a whole lot to the table in order for that to happen. And then mm-hmm. I also need working capital for the business. Uh, you know, I need reserves. And so most people don't, you know, so it's a lot more to start in a business. And if you think of it from a more of a financial standpoint and an investment standpoint, you realize that it's, in order to be successful in business, 
it's going to require money. So then the question is, where does that money come from? And those are the things that people struggle with that I try to help them with as well because mm-hmm. there are programs that uh, banks will lend money to businesses on the south and west side at low interest rates, at favorable terms to help get them started. Uh, but once again, mm-hmm. you still have to have something to bring to the table, and you really have to have a, a, a business model that you've really thought out. Right. I'm really loving that. And, you know, the, I guess changing gears just a little bit, uh, you know, for many nonprofits and, and many businesses, but especially for nonprofits, we're coming to the year end and, you know, mm-hmm. people are trying to get their year end giving. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. So, so we got Giving yeah. Tuesday coming up, you know, in a few weeks, you know, right after um, Thanksgiving. It's the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, but then, you know, from that point on, people are going to be begging for dollars until December 31st. So what are some of the strategies you think people can use to, I guess, leverage their social media presence and not just become known, as you said, but actually get people to to write a check, but using their social media to to try to encourage that? All right, so this may sound like... uh you know, heresy. But I first thing I say is okay. get off social media. Okay. And you say, get off social media. Um, In think this about day how many <laughs> think about how many people you're com- competing with to raise dollars on social media. Hmm. There's always a GoFundMe. Go. Right, think about it. Mm-hmm. All these GoFundMe, uh, because you know, nobody gets life insurance anymore. So every time there's a death in the family, there's a GoFundMe page. Now Facebook has mm-hmm. it, you know, donate for my birthday, donate for this, donate for that. Uh, so then you have your nonprofits, give me money, give me money, give me money. Yeah. Mm. And so it, there's just too many people asking for money. And there's only so much money that people are going to give. And so just having that social media presence, to, to me, is not enough to get mm-hmm. money. Now, I give money to a lot of nonprofit organizations, charitable organizations, and the way I select the organizations is through relationships. Uh, one nonprofit that I donate to on a regular basis is Hello Baby in the Woodlawn community. And mm-hmm. the reason I started donating to them, not because they sent me, I saw them on social media, but I was walking down 61st Street one day, and I said, let me walk in here and see what they what they're doing here. It's a it's a new organization coming to the Woodlock community. And and she started telling me about the work that she was doing and making a safe space for children. And it just you know, it just warmed my heart. And I wrote a check on the spot. Right? Oh um, wow. But but that's relationship building. And then I get a thank you letter from her and I get updates. And so no matter what I don't even pay attention to what they do on social media. But every now and then I say, hey, I need to send Hello Baby a check, you know, because they're doing great work. So what I always suggest to people, especially even when you say you want to start a new nonprofit, which I say, ooh, there's a bunch of them, but if that's what you want to do, you have to find somebody with some fairly deep pockets to champion your cause. Mm-hmm. And that is not a social media thing. That is a relationship thing. And so you really have to get out there 
introduce yourself to people, introduce what you're doing, and show them how, and understand that their giving is also in line with the cause that you are trying to do. Um, when I was at Sunshine, uh, we had a very big donor who contributed $700,000 to the organization over a four-year period. And, and I know him well. And people were like, hey, you think you can get your guy to donate to this and donate to that and donate to that? And it's like, well, he's not really interested in that, you know. And uh, But there were some other causes that I said, okay, he has an interest. I made introductions. He wrote the check, right? So mm-hmm. uh, and champion those causes. But that's really the most successful new nonprofits that are starting up. They do good work. They have a great social mission, and they find one person to champion their cause. And once you do that, the money, other money start rolling in. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Now, can you share at least one case study, you know, either experience from yourself or from, you know, one of the clients you've worked with on, you know, how they, how they or you approach the market. There was a new business, new nonprofit, and they wanted to sure. make – make themselves known, you know, quickly. Right. Uh, how, how and I, because of privacy issues, I don't want to mention the, the organization or the name of the mm-hmm. person, but this is okay, a true story. Uh, and I was working with the, uh, the, the executive director of the nonprofit, and they do a mentoring program for young ladies in the Chicago area, and very passionate about the work that she did. And so started going into uh, talking in circles where uh, some of the Pritzkers roamed. And one of the mm, Pritzkers okay. uh, was very <clears throat> interested in the work that she did. And so they started talking. And then she said, oh, this is great work. Can I write you a check and introduce you to some of my friends? Oh, and, wonderful. And she said, of course. Yes, of course, right? Uh, but I've seen over time her organization grow every year and and just remarkable growth. And she started off part-time and she's doing the work full-time now. Uh, Mm -hmm. But once again, there's a lot of competition in the nonprofit arena. So if you're not doing something that really stands out, it's going to be very difficult to make it in the nonprofit world. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's the most important part. It's like, what are you doing that that's championing a cause that people really care about? Especially, and you have to really, a lot of times it, it's more of a fluid thing. You have to change with the times and change your message with the times. You could be doing the same right. work, but the messaging has sometimes has to be a little different than what you're normally, mm-hmm. than what you did, say, last year or year before last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting. So, so going back to this this person that you worked with, I mean, clearly her growth wasn't just because people wrote checks. Yeah, you know, apparently mm-hmm. she was doing something else to to build the infrastructure of her business so that people mm-hmm. felt more comfortable writing the check. You know, because she could have been in a situation right. where someone mm-hmm. wrote her a big check, but they said, "Oh no, we're not writing another one." So right. from your observation, can you think of some things that she did right 
as either a business owner or a nonprofit. Well, she was a nonprofit leader, right? Yes, yeah, what did she do? What did she do right to make sure, you know, that's coming in? Uh, she delivered on her promises. And that's what okay. you do in any business, whether it's for profit or nonprofit, the more you deliver on your mm-hmm. promises, the more mm-hmm. the more people either patronize you or donate to you. Right? Right. So it's really about, once again, giving giving people enough to make them want to write a check for whatever, is if it's a donation or it's purchasing a product. Because there's a lot of competition mm-hmm. either way, right? So if you don't give right. them a compelling reason to write a check and a compelling reason to write another check, then, uh, you know, it just doesn't work. The other thing, especially in nonprofits, is uh, frequent updates about what's going on who you help, and giving some of the, some real stories about how you made an impact in the area that you're mm-hmm. serving. Uh, so the nonprofits that I donate to, if you're not sending me a, a monthly newsletter or update saying, hey, here are the things that I'm doing, then I'm wondering what are you really doing? And I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to think about that. Even if I don't read the email, if I see the heading, it just says, you know, you know hello, baby, here's our update. All right, I don't even have to mm-hmm. read it because I know you, you're not going to say, here's an update, we did nothing, right? <laughs> so the update is going to be something good. So even if I don't read it, I know they've done something great that, you know, for that period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so she kept the people top of mind, well, kept herself yep. top of mind with people. And, exactly. And if you can put yourself in the shoes of other people who donate, um, you say that that's another thing. So it's still, it's relationship. It's not a transaction, which is, you know, you get the money right. and you go your separate ways. It's an ongoing right. relationship if yeah. you want to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. I love it. And we're getting really close to the end of this podcast. And, you know, I got so engrossed in this conversation, I forgot to keep telling everybody that we're talking to Shelby Parchman. He's the managing partner of in Urban Strategies, LLC. And Shelby, I, I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest today, as always. I have learned so much from talking to you, and um, I, I will follow up with you and give you some input on that other situation. But before we go, are there any parting thoughts that you, know, that you have, and can you let folks know how they can reach you? Sure. Uh, my in the, in the scope of what we've talked about, uh, I think that it's really important for a business owner, number one, to understand who their market is, who their customer is, because that's really what drives their business. And the better you understand them, the easier it is to reach them and the easier mm-hmm. it is to sell something to them or get them to write a check, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. You know, it's the same thing. It's all about making sure the customer is satisfied, making sure the donor is satisfied, and uh, uh, making sure that you give them a reason to come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. contact. Uh, I'll make it easy. Info, I-N-F-O, at N-Urban, I-N-U-R-B-A-N, strategies, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-E-S.com. That's info at nurbanstrategies.com. And I usually answer emails within uh, 12 to 24 hours. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, great. So, Selby, thanks again, and I'll be following up. And uh, okay. you take care. You take care. And for our listening audience, I, I want you to make sure that you join us next week. You know, for this month, we're going to be talking. You know, in addition to other things about fundraising, we will be talking about civic engagement. So you make sure that you join us next week for another lively discussion on nonprofit utopia. And you take care, and you take care as well, Shelley. All right, thank you, Valerie. It's a pleasure speaking with you today. All righty. Okay. Bye bye.